like to see something, or I'd like to look at something though tonight uh, pertaining to the life of Saul. And Saul was um, the first king in Israel. And there's a, some lessons we can learn about him. But I want to start out in 2 Peter because there's a principle I want us to see here in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4. I want us to read it, and then I'll just show you kind of the thought here that connects us with the life of Saul. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God, and of Jesus Christ our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lusts. Through lust. I want you to notice there's a phrase there in verse 3. It says that the Lord has given to us, verse 3, according to his divine power, hath given unto us something. All things that pertain unto something, that pertain unto life and godliness. We're in this life and we need to live godly. And God's given us all things that pertain to that. I I, uh, <clears throat> I want to be able to live the way God's called me. I want to be able to be godly. I don't want to be ungodly. The way to be godly is to depend on God. The way to live life is to depend on the one who's given life. And he's given us stuff in his word. He's given us stuff that we can trust and believe to make us the persons we need to be to live life and be godly. In contrast to that thought, we see the life of Saul. Let's go to um, 1 Samuel chapter 10. And what I'll just say by way of overview is Saul, we see a man who had a lot of things as far as the optics go, but he did not have what it took to live the life that God gave to him. He chose the wrong way. He chose the way of self, and he didn't choose the way of godliness and the way of... Um, he didn't live after God's own heart. He lived after his own heart. And so uh, we're going to look, take a little snapshot of his life tonight. We'll do a little survey of it. And my purpose is to just learn from the deficiencies of Saul, to learn from the deficiencies of Saul tonight. <clears throat> and contrast that with us, that we don't have to be deficient in the ways that he was deficient. Why? Because God's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Let's just start out by reading the scripture, and then I'll talk to you a little bit more about Saul before we hit some main points. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 10. Here you have, I'm not going to, again, tonight I'm having to hit some high points. We're not going to read long passages. But look at 1 Samuel chapter 10, and we see here Samuel's about ready to anoint Samuel the prophet is about ready to anoint Saul, their first king. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance. And we're not going to read the rest, but Samuel gives him some other kind of a pep talk and some things that are going to happen after he gets anointed here. 
Then notice, move up to verse 9. This is after he, he was anointed by Samuel and officially chosen to be king. It says, verse 9, And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, that is, when Saul left, God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day, those signs that Samuel had spoken that would happen that day to confirm that this was a real deal. And, verse 10, when they came thither to the hill, behold, the company of, the pro of prophets met him, they met Saul, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. A lot of times the word prophecy means one of two things. It could be, or two or three things. It could be that you're singing, it could be that you're exhorting, or it could be that you're actually giving, you're, forth, you're foretelling. This was probably something pertaining to singing. But the Spirit of God came on him, as the text says, verse 10, and he prophesied among them. Verse 11, it says, And it came to pass when all that knew him before time saw that. Behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said one to another, What is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? That little phrase, is Saul also among the prophets? He's saying, man, is this guy, that's kind of like the guy that used to be over here, now is over here. Wow, he, we see a little turnaround here. So what you see here is the life of Saul is starting out great. God's given him a great opportunity. He's, he's king. Now, he wasn't chosen under the best circumstances. Um, how was Saul chosen? Somebody talk back to me. How was Saul chosen from, the, not the, not from a human standpoint, not from a God standpoint? What's that? He was tall. That's right. Tell me, how, tell me, how did this guy get here in office? Besides God gives the final deal here and anointed him and said, okay, we're going to work with this. Previous to that, previous to this anointing, what was happening here? He was tall, good looking. They said from his shoulders and upward he was taller than every man. He was probably like a seven foot guy. Six, you know, mid, six, six and up to maybe seven foot. Good looking guy. Somebody tell me something else about his choice in being king. The people's choice. Okay, so, oh wait, wait a minute. What was David known as when he became king? A man after God's own heart. God's like, that, oh, that guy right there, mm, that's what I want. And then Saul was a man after man's own heart. Man says, we want that guy. He's good looking, he's tall, he's from a good family. And um, we want him. Well, God says, all right. Okay, then. We'll work with that. And, um, and God put his spirit on him and, and gave him an opportunity. The problem was, it's not just that Saul became, was a man after man's own heart in the sense of the crowd, but he lived, or he, 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 he listen to this. He had a great opportunity. He, take, he took this great opportunity, and he... He lived as a, he uh, used his position after his own heart. And he became very self-centered and he wasn't living for God. He was living for self. He wasn't interested in God's glory. He was interested in his own glory. We'll see in his life. But listen to this. He became a man of the flesh. He lived after the flesh, not after the spirit. Now we can relate with that as Christians, right? We're told to walk in the spirit. That means independence on God's spirit, not in the flesh. 
So Saul was a man after man's own heart. David was a man after God's own heart. So here's what I want to do with the rest of our time here. <clears throat> God put an opportunity in his lap, and he really was deficient in how he handled it because he was motivated by his own glory, and he was trying to live for self. So I want you to notice some things that he lacked as we progress through this. First of all, we see that Saul went as he proceeded. He lacked restraint. He lacked restraint. Look in 1 Samuel 13. There's several examples, or a couple examples, I should say, of him lacking restraint. You could say patience or temperance. He was impulsive. 1 Samuel 13, this is early on. Uh, verse 8, 1 Samuel 13, 8, it says there, now there was, a, there was kind of war that's about to break forth on the, with, between the Philistines and the Israelites, and it says, and he tarried seven days, that is, Saul was waiting seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed, but Samuel got to Gilgal, Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he, and he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. And Samuel said, what hast thou done? And Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattered from me and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Therefore said I, the Philistines will come down upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said, unto, said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. That's interesting. I don't like that. Would The Lord would have done this. The Lord would have done further with you. But now, verse 14, thy kingdom shall not continue the Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Wow. So, okay, so I, he was supposed to, there was, the Philistines were gathered around Israel. It's like they're on the brink of war. But Saul was not supposed to go at it until there was an offering, some kind of sacrifice done by the prophet who also worked in, as like a type of a priest because Samuel was in the, he was there since he was a child under Eli. They're waiting for Samuel to come and initiate this sacrifice and pray and whatever. And that was kind of their, they, that's like they're crossing through the threshold into victory. Once they do this sacrifice and Samuel, Saul's just waiting and waiting and waiting. Apparently Samuel was a little late. If a prophet's ever late coming, don't take things into your own hands. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's the idea is be patient, especially with something that we're not authorized. to. He wasn't authorized to do this. It wasn't his place to all of a sudden, you know what? I'll be a priest. I can handle this. No, it's not. He wasn't. That wasn't his place. <clears throat> so, so Samuel was a little late. 
But Saul says, ah, let's, let's just get this done. You know what? He looked at everything. Let's just get this little ceremony done. It doesn't matter if you know, I'm doing it or somebody. Let's just do this thing and get it done and get to war. Well, when Samuel, right, and that's the thing. Right when he did it, oh, Samuel shows up. Oh, man. Samuel showed up right after that. And, and Saul says, well, uh, I, you know, I saw that things just were kind of getting out of control and people were scattering from me, and I forced myself. I just had to do it. I, he did not force himself. The problem was he should have forced himself to not do it. He was not, he didn't have restraint. And when he told Samuel this, Samuel was like, that was dumb. That was done foolishly. Okay. Again, I want you to kind of see the big picture of Saul's life. What an opportunity he has. And now we're going to start seeing these boxes check off. He lacked restraint. Ooh. Um, he was impulsive. First Samuel chapter 20. Take a peek there. <clears throat> this is an intense um, scene at the dinner table. Saul's dinner table. Jonathan's there. David normally would be there. David, I don't know, it's kind of a big soap opera, but David's not there because well, he, had, he might get a javelin through him. Uh, but Jonathan, the son of Saul, who's a good guy, was there. And Saul's kind of like, finally he says, why is David here? To his son Jonathan. Jonathan's best friends with David. And, and, and Jonathan says, well, David asks if he can go. He's got to be, whatever it was, three days leave because the family's doing some kind of sacrifice somewhere. And then Saul just flips. Look at verse 30. Chapter 20, verse 30. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. And he said unto him, we're going to come back to this verse. Thou son of a son of the perverse, rebellious woman, do not I know that thou hast son of Jesse to thine own confusion and unto the confusion of thy mother's For as long as the son of Jesse, he's referring to David, as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the ground, thou shalt not be established, thy, nor thy kingdom. Wherefore now send and fetch him unto me, for he shall surely die. And Jonathan has answered Saul, his father, and said, Wherefore shall he be slain? What hath he done? And Saul cast a javelin. Well, that's an answer. Saul cast a javelin at him to smite him. Whereby Jonathan knew that it was determined of his father to slay David. So Jonathan rose from the table in fierce anger and did eat <coughs> no meat the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had done him shame. There's a lot of little observations here about that moment with Saul, but one of them is this guy's impulsive. This guy is not restrained because he's full of self. If he, he's living for himself and he's very insecure on a bunch of different levels and, he is, and he, he's really possessive about what's happening and his son says David's not here and he, ooh, he's so mad about it and, and he throws the javelin at his own son. Of course, he did that to David a couple times as well. So here, he lacked restraint. He was given an opportunity to live this life of being a king. 
but he lacked restraint because he's living for himself. We're given an opportunity to live the Christian life. And part of that, we've looked at this in 1 Corinthians 9, is we've got to have restraint, keeping under our body, bringing it to subjection, lest what, when it's preached to others, we should be a castaway. The Bible says one of the fruits of the Spirit is temperance. I have to temper myself. Um, rein in my passions. Rein in my appetites. And I don't want to be a soul. I don't want to, I don't want to ruin what Paul said. He says, I keep under my body, lest if he didn't, He'd be a castaway. It'd be like he'd be like a saw. Oh, you blew it. So I have to, I have to practice restraint. I don't want to lack restraint like Paul did. But Christ Jesus has given us all things that pertain to godliness. He's given you and I the ability to not be like a saw. But we can be restrained when we're tested or maybe some anger wants to well up or something. And we can have restraints. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 23, 22, 23. He, he also lacked real honesty. Go to chapter 15. <coughs> Saul lacked real honesty. This is that one moment when, all right, somebody tell me, what's going on in chapter 15? Talk back to me. First Samuel 15. He doesn't follow the rules there. That's right. He does not follow the rules. But what, what's the event? What's the action that's going on here? First Samuel 15. Okay, who are they battling? The Amalekites, that's right. They're going after the Amalekites, and God said, here's how you're going to handle this. You know, you kill everybody, don't, don't spare anything. Don't spare anything, man, woman, child, kill them all. Now, God didn't say that for every battle, but this is what, this was like a, they had a recipe for this group. And there was reasons for that. And by the way, the, the book of Esther, I think, is a, um, where you see, who is it? What's the name of the, the bad guy in Esther? He was an Agagite. Haman. Haman. Yeah, he's kind of the fruit of not obeying here. Uh, anyway, so, okay, so Saul was told what to do. Slay everything, don't spare anybody. Okay, so what does he do? Look what it says there, verse 9, 1 Samuel 15, 9. But, Saul's, but Saul spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen, of the fatlings, and of the lambs, and all that was good, he would not, and would not utterly destroy them. So it's saying that Saul is making this choice to what? To disobey, to not complete the thing, to complete the mandate. Now, we could talk about that aspect of disobedience, but in particular, when confronted, now he's a liar. Look what it says in verse 13. Samuel came to Saul, verse 13, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What meaneth this then, this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of the oxen with I hear, which I hear? So, so he's, he's right off the bat lying. He's going to lie throughout this thing. Lie, lie, lie. So Samuel comes, Samuel, I did what you said. Bah! What was that? Oh, oh, you know. And then he starts trying to explain now. Samuel said, what meaneth the bleeding of the sheep of mine ears, the lowing of the oxen? Samuel, well, here's, now here's another lie, verse 15. They brought them from the Amalekites, for the people, the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. And the rest, we have utterly destroyed. See, that's not even true. It didn't let the people spare him. He chose to spare it. And he still didn't say everything. The rest we have utterly destroyed. No, no, that one guy's still alive. 
so he's going on, and, and I'm not going to read through. He, he, I think there's at least one other lie. And then finally he says unto Samuel, verse 24, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. He finally says it, verse 24. He finally admits he lied. But this guy was not honest. One of the, here's another, I'm giving you, I'm just, okay, we're just focusing on a man who has great opportunity, great opportunities. He chooses to live for himself. He loses to live in the flesh. And these bad character traits like no, having no restraint, a lack of honesty are just taking him down. Remember, and here's another example of lying, of being dishonest. Remember, what was the name of one of Saul's daughters? Kind of an interesting name. Michael, I like to say, my call. <laughs> Sounds too much like my name, but anyways. <laughs> Did you know why that Saul, Saul basically wanted to give her to David as just to, to he basically said, he, he was just being dishonest. He said, hey, David, if you go, uh, what was it, 100 foreskins? Philistines are 200. I can't remember. I think it was 100. Hey, if you go get 100 foreskins of the Philistines, and I'll give you my daughter. You can marry my daughter. And and uh, and David was like, whoa, I get to be the king's son? Wow. Now Saul's intent, he was not being honest. His intent was, I hope this kid dies. I hope he dies in battle. I mean, can you imagine? He's probably thinking, how can I get this? I bet he couldn't kill 100 I bet he couldn't kill 100 uh Philistines to get their foreskins and bring them back to me. I bet he's going to die. Hey, hey, you want to marry my daughter? Go do this. Go kill 100 Philistines and bring back their, their uh, uh, foreskins. What does he end up doing? Like 200 and bringing them back. Hey, I did it. Went above and beyond the call of duty. I mean, that's kind of been a gross sight there. But anyways, he came back and, and well, he gave him the daughter to him for wife. And, and then later on, what happened to that wife? She was given to somebody else. I mean, this guy was a liar. Um, now, I'm just trying to say that if we have deficiencies of character, great opportunity. Some people are like, I wish I had something good. I wish I had a promotion. I wish I had something good come my way. If you have bad character, you're going to blow it. Because here he's, his bad character is ruining the opportunity he has in, in serving God as king. He lacked honesty. Number three, he lacked rejoicing. Look at chapter 18, 1 Samuel 18. <clears throat> 1 Samuel 18, verse 7 and 8, and it says, this is after one of the battles. This is early on when David's serving in the military. Saul's still king, early on. The women answered one another as they prayed and said, Saul had slain his thousands and ten thousands. Verse 8, and Saul was very wroth. And the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands. And to me, they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day and forward. He's got this envy building up. You know, he's not rejoicing. There's a couple ways of looking at this thing. You know, if you had a guy that worked for you like David, if you're a king, and if you had somebody work for you, David, and he kills the Goliath. I mean, if you realize what went into that whole thing, you take out Goliath, and you have a great victory over the Philistines. And then from then on out, you have battle after battle after battle. And David's in this young guy. He's probably still late teenagers, and he's serving with these other grown men. 
And David's out there, and they're helping him win battle after battle after battle. And you as a king, like you get, I mean, in a way, you get credit for it. Man, this guy's under me. This guy used to be playing harp for me. And now he's, and, and the people come back and they say, Saul slain his thousands, but David is 10,000. In other words, the whole people are so excited. They're more excited for their war hero than they are the king. Now, it takes humility to rejoice in that. We ought to say, yeah, I'm glad he's slaying him. You know, the Bible says in Romans 12, rejoice with them that rejoice, weep with them that weep. And Saul could not rejoice there because it was a humbling thing. Can you be happy when somebody else is successful? We need to be that way. We need to be that way. Otherwise, we're lacking that character trait of rejoicing. Number four, of two more points here. Number four, number five. He lacked respect to those who are worthy of it. He lacked respect to those who are worthy of it. Look in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 30. This is, again, back at that very tense dinner table scene. And uh, he is, I don't know why he brings his wife into this, but he's so angry with his own son, Jonathan. It says in 1 Samuel 30, pardon me, 1 Samuel 20, verse 30, then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. And he said unto him, thou son of the perverse, rebellious woman. And he goes on to just tear down Jonathan, but he brings his wife into it. See, some of these phrases are like, it's kind of like uh, coarse language and figures of speech in the Hebrew that we have translated into English. And he's basically saying, you are such a bad kid and it's your mom's fault type of thing. Son of a perverse, rebellious woman, what does your wife have to do with this? And he's disrespecting his wife here. And he doesn't, and she's worthy of respect, but he's disrespecting her. He had a lack of respect to those who are worthy of it, also in, in, with his wife, but also with the priests. Look at chapter 21. This is a, um, let me see, it might be chapter 22. <coughs> chapter 22. You might not even believe this. Sometimes when I've read through the life of Saul, you come to this, you come to this scene and you think, boy, he has really crossed the line here. All right, so I'll, let me just describe it to you. In chapter 21 and 22, what happens is I'll just describe it to you. David was running from Saul. Remember that? David was like, man, this guy's always trying to kill me, so he's running from Saul. There was one instance when David and his men were... Um, in fact, it's referred to in Matthew chapter 12 that we'll get to sometime. David was hungry and his men, and they went to one of the priests. And, um, and it says that, um, they said, can we basically, do you have any food? And the priest said, well, we don't have anything except the hollowed bread. And he goes, well, that, can, can we have that? And they're like, all right, I guess so. These guys are starving. So they took the show bread and they gave some to David. The, the bread that's actually part of uh, the ceremonies that are done in the tabernacle. And they gave it to David and fed him and and they gave him Goliath's sword. In fact, that's funny. David says, uh, is there any, do you have any weapon? And they, and they, oh, we have Goliath's sword. Oh, that's convenient. I mean, David, I mean, he, he earned that thing. That's what, we got one of your trophies, David. You know? Well, that's great. And David's like, I'll take it. There's nothing like that. Can you imagine that? David? I mean, it's probably like as tall as him. I mean, Rusty just made one of these little short wooden swords. And uh, that was pretty cool looking, Rusty. 
But you imagine, go, it's probably like that big. I mean, maybe David's this tall, I don't know, but big sword. And uh, anyway, so he took it. And my point is, is that David and his men came upon the priests <coughs> and um, they got some hospitality from them and they went their way. <coughs> there was a man there named Doeg that day, an Edomite. He, was, he served under Saul. And he, he saw it happen. He goes and tells Saul, hey, Saul, the, the priests here, um, make sure I get the names of the priests right. It was one of the, it was uh, Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. They, 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 uh, they helped David. And Saul's like, they helped David? In fact, look at this. Look at, um, look at chapter 22, verse 7 and 8. Chapter 22, verse 7 and 8. Then Saul said unto his servants that stood around, stood about him, Hear ye, hear now ye, Benjamites. Will the son of Jesse, it's referring to David, give every one of you fields and vineyards, and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds, that all of you have conspired against me. And there is none that showeth me that my son hath made a league with the son of Jesse, and there is none of you that is sorry for me, or showeth Unto me that my son had stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait at the state. Some of that's not true. Then, verse 9, he's trying to get her up some sympathy. I mean, that's pathetic. Then answered Doeg, the Edomite, verse 9, that was set over the servants of Saul and said, I saw the son of Jesse come into Nob to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of the Lord for him and gave him victuals and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. Now, what happens, basically, this guy says, yeah, I, I, saw, I saw David. I'll, I'll tell you something about David. I saw him. And, and he came to these priests, and the priests helped him and sent him his way. And, um, and Saul's so insecure and um, has no respect here, I mean, at all, that he says, kill all of those priests. Whoa! He, and look what the Bible says there. Verse 17, and the king said unto the footman that stood about him, turn and slay the priests of the Lord. We're chapter 22, verse 17. Because their hand also is with David. And because they knew when he fled and did not show it me, but the servant of the king would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priests of the Lord. These guys, can you imagine that? So king, the king's saying, he goes to this, this city of Nob. It has a bunch of priests that live there. The servant, kill him. And they're, I mean, this is one instance where, like, you got to disobey the king. Uh, no, we don't do that. We ought to obey God rather than man here. And they wouldn't. And then this guy who doesn't really care, this hitman here, Doeg, king to Doeg, turn now and fall upon the priest. You kill him, Doeg. He's an Edomite. Whoa. Doeg the Edomite turned and he fell upon the priest and slew on that day four score and five persons that did wear the linen ephod. And Nob, the city of the priests, smote he with the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and sucklings, oxes and asses and sheep with the edge of the sword. Man, he's thorough on that one. He wasn't thorough with the Amalekites. So, so my point, boy, he did not show respect. He lacked that. He lacked respect. Um, we see the life of Saul. We see him given these opportunities. We see him living for himself, and the character is just going downward and downward and downward. But when we give, when God's given us a Christian life, and we need to live it for him, 
And we should say, God, give me the character to live the life you've given me. And we make choices like that. That's not right. We want to make opposite choices. I want to live with restraint. I want to live honestly. I want to live with rejoicing. And I want to live with respect, not disrespect for like my own wife or uh, these priests of the Lord. And then last of all, he lacked reason. In fact, if you go to a lot of these passages, he's just not even reasonable. There was an instance, and I'll just give it to you. 1 Samuel 14, verses 24 to 32. He has all these men that are going to war, and he's so, I don't know what it was, but he says, that's it, we're having a fast. Nobody's going to be eating. Nothing. These guys are in the middle of war, and you're calling a fast? That's not reasonable. And, and then Jonathan didn't hear about it. Jonathan had his little special mission that he did, and with he and his armor bearer, and they came back, and there was a, some good things happened. And Jonathan's eating, man, he's like, yeah, this is great, eating some honey and everything honeycomb, and he's all eating it. And, and they're like, uh-oh, what are you doing over there eating? He's like, what's the deal? They said, your dad, your dad said nobody should be eating. He goes, boy, that's not good. And so I'm just, there's a lot we could say about that. He just lacked reason there. He was unhinged in his anger, wanting to kill his own son. And his son said, hey, what has David done wrong? He doesn't answer him. He answers him just with a, with a, um, a javelin because he's very insecure and self-centered. But for us, again, I, I guess I'm bringing it back to a thought is this. I, I have life, this life that I'm living again, I have opportunities to live for the Lord, to do all kinds of things, and I don't want to fail with bad character. I want to have good character, and I depend on God to help me develop good character. If I'm determined to live for God's glory, He's going to give me the character I need to do that, because He's given me all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Saul wasn't determined to live for God's glory. He's determined to live for himself, and it just spiraled from there. So that's the point tonight is living for God and depending on Him to give you all things that pertain to life and godliness, to give you, develop the godly character in you, to do it and not plunder the life He's given you.